90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh, it's regular, regular old Colorado summer here now, John. It's super hot down in the mixing bowl this week. <laughs> <laughs> super hot with lots of flies and oh, all that so fun stuff. Oh, so you do remember it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the gnats are atrocious, that's for sure. And they've had a really, as we talked about, we've had a really wet spring, so everything's blooming a little bit late, and there are just gnats everywhere. And yeah, yeah, so you can hear the defeat in my voice. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> so have you or your students had any encounters with Choya, the, the evil cactus out there? <laughs> um, yes, it's awful. We, one person went to the hospital. For Troy. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we've had several minor run-ins that were of no consequence, but they seem to be double-sized this year because of all the water, so <laughs> it's quite terrifying. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bad enough normally. <laughs> we also have a visitor around camp, so that's exciting. Um, there's a brown bear, or a little black bear. He's sort of brown in color, but a little black bear that's hanging out a lot. Um, many of the students saw him. Yesterday, I luckily didn't, or I probably wouldn't be here because I would have died of, you know, fright. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's been exciting talk around camp this week. <laughs> yeah, there was all kinds of fun wildlife out there. I remember coming out of the showers one morning, and I think there was a bunch of wild turkeys when I came out. Uh, yeah. yeah, the turkeys are still here, and they are huge. They're like three yes. foot tall. They're massive, terrifying little dinosaurs. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'd rather see the bear, but... Yeah, it's been an active week, so <laughs> how about you? What have you been up to? Well, I've been mostly working. It's been kind of you know, ugly here, rainy and cold. But uh, one thing I want to talk about during the show is I did go to the theaters Friday, and can you guess what I saw? Uh, I really hope it's what I hope it is, right? <laughs> My favorite actor? Yes, it's your favorite actor, <laughs> The Rock. San Andreas. How was it? It was everything I hoped it would be, which was not much. <laughs> so um, we do have the geology drinking games where we all like to get around and watch the core. And then we take a shot, you know, every time something scientifically inaccurate happens. So everybody's drunk in the first 10 minutes. Is that what we're looking at? Is that what it was like? <laughs> Somewhere in there, somebody would ask me on Twitter because I was uh, tweeting before and after the movie about it and i think i told them that it was like a core and a half to two plus a <laughs> twister on the end <laughs> um so i actually don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> i mean it was it was a really enjoyable movie but as we'll talk about later uh, as you would expect for a disaster movie the science was pretty abysmal <laughs> okay so i won't get my hopes up too much then no but you should definitely go see it and if anybody out there has seen it you should definitely tell us your thoughts because i would love to hear them but <laughs> before we really dive into all this let's talk about listener feedback and field areas yay we have more listener feedback so yes we've had all four of you uh, that listen to the show, send us <laughs> pictures of your field areas or places that you've been. But I have to say, last week, I messed something up. So that is this week's unconformity. <laughs> and it probably won't be the last unconformity, much like geology. 
Yes. So we talked about the large slide that Mark's in a picture of in from the mine. Mm -hmm. Right. And we said it was the Jordan slide, which is right. And then we proceeded to talk at length about geophysical prediction of a very large slide, which was not the Jordan slide. (laughs) (laughs) That was the main phase slide. And it turns out that was a failure of a waste dump, Mark says. And that the Jordan slide that was in the pictures is a smaller slide that is on the other side of the pit and is still actively sliding. Oh, but, you know, our geophysics was sound. I'll stand behind that. (laughs) So sorry, Mark, for misidentifying your slide. Yes, and thanks for letting us know. And I would be really curious. I would guess that they still use radar to monitor strain and deformation at the mine. Oh, I I bet that's absolutely right, which we'd love to hear about because that's sort of a up-and-coming thing that I'm sure they're using at a lot of mines today. Yeah, and speaking of unconformity, we got (laughs) another listener photo from Hannah, and Shannon, I think I'm going to let you take this one because you know about this geology. All right, so Hannah sent in her vacation pictures, which were super exciting because they are from Sicker Point, and this is sort of the mecca of geology, and Sicker Point is in Scotland, And it is the unconformity. It's known as Hutton's unconformity. So James Hutton taught us about uniformitarianism, which is a thing that geologists use, and it's called the present is the key to the past, and it's sort of the law of geology. And it was here at Sicker Point, which you'll see in the pictures on the website, which is where James Hutton in 1788, he was on a boat ride, and he saw these two rocks. And some of them are angled one direction, And on top of them, they're angled another direction. And he thought, hmm, something must have happened here. And he came up with his theory of uniformitarianism, saying that these couldn't have been formed this way. You know, one had to come first, and then there was some geologic time in between. And then you had this next uh, layer that's put down at a different angle was deposited. And so that's sort of the founding of geology. It's a really famous place. All geologists really like to go there. I'd like to hear from Hannah because I hear it's actually really hard to get down the slope to get to Sicker Point, and it looks like from the pictures that they made it down that very treacherous and wet (laughs) slope out to the shoreline to sit on Hutton's unconformity. Yes, if you look at the pictures, you'll see there's three of them, and Hannah said in her email that the one with the grass was to show how steep that slope is, (laughs) and that it was really pretty difficult to do. And then there's a picture of Hannah and Martin there at the unconformity as well. (laughs) That's what I've always heard from there. I've never been to that um, particular part of Scotland, but I do know that walking around those hills, and we always have sort of our field gear on and our um, rain slickers on, and it's always terrifying because there's no trees or anything, and these slopes are really grassy, and one misstep, and it looks super scary. (laughs) So you can tell from Hannah's pictures that it's really scary. But it's worth it for all geologists, because it's really great geology. The rocks at Hutton's Unconformity are the Devonian Old Red Sandstone, which is a pretty famous sandstone. I've done some work on it um, doing paleomagnetism, and lots of people have worked on the Old Red Sandstone. And these are about 340 million years old, and they overlie these vertical layers of Silurian gray wacky, and those Silurian rocks are about 420 million years old. So uh, it's about 100 million years of time missing there that hadn't recognized, and still the tenets of modern geology were founded there in 1788. 
Yeah, that's really cool. So thanks to Hannah and Martin for sending those photos in. And if you're doing anything fun, vacation, field work, or just some neat geology around you, go ahead and send yours in so we can talk about them and share the cool things that you're doing with everyone that listens to the show, because I'm sure all of you are doing some really neat stuff. Yes, I've been trying to send in, um, or I've been trying to tweet a lot of my field shots. This week, it's just been not as pretty as it was last week by the by the stream where I got to fall asleep a lot. So I'll try <laughs> to do that as well. <laughs> yes. And if you uh, follow us on Twitter, which you should, you'll see that the folks over at the Orbital Mechanics podcast even sent us a photo that says how a geologist sees <laughs> the world. And it's pretty neat. So you should go take a look at it. It is really cool. Um, I showed it to a few of my students because it's exactly what my students are doing out in the field, except not surrounded by all that really awesome looking water. <laughs> yeah, the field area that you have is not quite that picturesque. No, no. I mean, it's beautiful, but boy, is it hot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So going to the movies, everybody's seen all the disaster movies, The Day After Tomorrow and Twister and all these. And San Andreas has some really hilarious science in it, to say the least. That's why we go see him, though, isn't it? Yeah, and so, you know, this is the San Andreas Fault in California. It's a big transform or strike-slip fault where the rocks are going past each other laterally. And in the movie, they basically make the San Andreas a subduction zone. <laughs> I mean, it's close to a subduction zone, though, because further up the coast, that's a subduction zone. Right, and they have a 9.6 earthquake. <laughs> which, you feel that in Florida. <laughs> oh, and you know, the kind of one of the dramatic lines in the movie is the seismologist is on TV, and he says, you will feel this on the East Coast. <laughs> you know, where everyone else lives. <laughs> right. And the, the interesting thing is, if the entire San Andreas ruptures, that's about a magnitude 8.2. So hey, we're, close. we're pretty far off from that 9.6. Remember <laughs> logarithms. Let's, let's ignore that 10 times logarithmic scale thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And a lot of the movie is based on the scientists that say they can predict earthquakes. They test this theory and they find out that they can predict when earthquakes are going to happen. And they say there's a huge earthquake that is going to uh, hit on the San Andreas. And they're trying to get the word out. Unfortunately, it's too late for a lot of people. But what they do actually get right is they talk about earthquake triggering. So wow. that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Which is weird since that's sort of a, I don't know, I guess that wouldn't be something that I would think that they would really try to get right. <laughs> Lucy Jones on Twitter, you know, the USGS was saying that a California earthquake that was a magnitude 7.3 actually triggered a magnitude 5.7 in Nevada the next day. And that was in 1992. So there are several well-documented cases of this happening in the real world. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Well, at least they tried to sort of keep it in there. <laughs> right. So one bad thing was they are flying in an airplane when it's either an airplane or a helicopter at this point in the movie when a large earthquake strikes, and you can see the ground roll <laughs> going across the landscape. And I really thought at one point they were flying over a field that had rows of some kind of crop planted, and I thought they were going to show the offset in the crop. It was a perfect opportunity, but they didn't. That was a little sad. Well, if it was a subduction zone, you wouldn't necessarily see that, so. Yeah, true. <laughs> see, see, they were staying true to their own science. <laughs> At least it didn't have 
California falling off into the ocean. It no, could have been worse. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one really good thing that they did, and they almost made it painfully obvious that they were doing this several times, was when the earthquakes were striking, multiple people in the movie would stop someone else from running outside or from standing in a doorframe. And they said, no, duck, cover, and hold on. Aww. So they were really trying to hammer that home for people that if you are in an earthquake, this is what you should do. Get under something sturdy, under a table, something like that, and hold on. So that was kind of nice awesome. to see. Yeah, that's true. Um, Twister was the antithesis of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Strapping yourself to a bridge during a tornado is not the best it approach. Seems like a good idea. <laughs> if not, just drive your truck into it and then run away from the tornado. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, Canyon City only has one movie theater, which is not playing San Andreas yet. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully soon it will be coming. <laughs> well, before we, I, I don't want to go on too long because we are trying to keep these summer shows short. We have to say that every week. But the one other <laughs> really funny thing that happens is they drive up to this giant rift that is opened by the earthquake that goes down effectively infinitely in the movie. Oh, why'd you have to ruin it? Here I was impressed with their subduction zone and never mind. <laughs> yeah. But you should uh, definitely definitely see it. It's maybe they it's were just like on the northern or southern part of a flower structure or something like that. I think you should ask them. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, when it gets to Canyon City, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's what I did, but what did you do? Well, besides sitting in that hot, hot bowl of awful geology, um, we went to Leadville last week, so that was exciting. It's nice to think back. Um, it was less than a week ago, but it was only 50 degrees there. So, <laughs> And actually, they've had um, – we go to Leadville because – Leadville, so named because there are a lot of <laughs> old mines there. And it's really neat. We don't get a lot of mining sort of – we're not exposed to a lot of mining practices or even, you know, what mines look like in Oklahoma since we're so focused on oil. So it's cool to get to see all around Colorado. There's a place called the Colorado Mineral Belt, and they've been exploring for, you know, gold and other precious metals for since the 1800s here. Um, and Leadville is one of those places. So it was cool to see that. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't go up to some of the mines because they've had so much snow, the roads were still blocked. Wow. That is, <laughs> yeah. that is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's been truly extraordinary. Um, there are a lot of 14ers. So for those of you that don't know, those are 14,000 foot or higher mountains in Colorado. And uh, many of them are right around Leadville. And so it's really high up. The town's over 10,000 feet. And yeah, there was a lot of snow. It actually snowed on us while we were walking down the street. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so is have you guys done the Pikes Peaks? trip yet because i know you said that was still closed last time still closed wow still closed (laughs) yeah you can see from our field area at the top of pike's peak and it's been all white until this week and it's you can start to see some melting that's occurring there but it's it's small so we might not actually make it at all um we're going to cripple creek another gold mining town um just north of us, and we're going to do that this weekend, and hopefully, I know it's always been chilly when we go there, and so my guess is we'll probably get snowed on again. <laughs> now, is I may not remember this right, but is that the Molly Kathleen mine that you yes. go to there? 
Yeah, we go to the actual Cripple Creek gold mine as well, which is an operating gold mine. It's actually on the market right now. Um, they're trying to sell it because there's still 20, 30, 40 years worth of gold exploration at least left in it. Um, and then there's the Molly Kathleen mine, which is an old abandoned mine, but now they use it as sort of a tourist attraction and you get to go down the real mining elevator and there's all kinds of sort of exhibits down in the mine and it was an old gold mine as well and it's actually really fun if you've never been into a mine I think it's really neat to get to actually go down there and stuff and there's a lot of cool mineralization on the walls and you get to pick out a rock at the end and so kind of cheesy but it's kind of cool as well just because we don't get a lot of exposure to that sort of thing so it's a fun trip, and uh, I think everybody's looking forward to getting out of the 90-degree heat in the mixing bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, and going down those mines really gives you a lot of respect for the people that do it every day. Because th oh, that's yes. a hard place to work. Uh, it really is. And to see sort of it, it kind of um, – the Molly Kathleen is really neat because it walks you through sort of how things were done in the early 1800s, which were terrifying. You know, you one guy sat there and held a pike. And a guy behind you hit it as hard as he could with a sledgehammer. So you hope your partner doesn't miss, right? Or there goes the back of your head. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it walks you through, like, those early mining practices towards, like, the more mechanized mining practices, practices of today. And then we'll actually go and meet with a geologist at the active Cripple Creek gold mine and talk about how gold mining is done today. So it's sort of the whole gambit of it. And I'm sure I will be able to tell you more about it next week after we go. Well, that sounds great. So I think we should maybe move on to the fun paper. What do you think? Sounds good. It's a delicious fun paper this week. <laughs> it is. And if have you ever noticed that if you have chocolate laying around for a little while, especially if it's broken, you know, doesn't have the nice pristine surface on it, you get kind of white, fuzzy, globby looking stuff on it? Uh, yeah. I always thought, you know, waxes is what that was, just waxes over time. Well, it's actually crystallized fat. Delicious. <laughs> Very delicious. But that's what this week's fun paper is about. It is called, and you would never know this is about chocolate from the title, <laughs> Tracking Structural Changes in Lipid-Based Multi-Component Food Materials Due to Oil Migration by Microfocused Small-Angle X-Ray Scattering. So, when I read this, without the word food materials in it, I thought it was about plants. <laughs> because... <laughs> Plants make lipids, which are these little fatty acids that migrate up to their leaves. And actually, you can see like ancient lipids in the rock record. So I thought that's what we were going to talk about. And then when I started reading it, no, no <laughs> it's about chocolate. <laughs> yeah, so but it's about it, chocolate rocks, essentially, right? It turns out that this phenomena of getting this white spot or gray coating on the chocolate is called chocolate blooming. And it's a huge <laughs> problem in the food industry. Because I imagine, I mean, just like you said, it doesn't happen until you leave it around for a while. So you don't really want that stuff. I mean, if you opened a bar of chocolate and it has that, it looks like old chocolate. Right, which wouldn't be an inaccurate statement. But they <laughs> yes. don't want that to happen. So it you know, results in wasted food, wasted profit, all of that, which is bad for business. So this study was looking at, well, how exactly does this happen? Because, well, we knew it's some kind of diffusion or some process bringing this up, but they didn't know exactly what was happening. So could it be convective flow or is it going through crevices, pores? What's going on? So that's what this looked at in a very systematic and detailed way with uh, this x-ray scattering technique and with just sessile drop techniques of putting a drop of liquid on the surface and measuring the contact angle. 
Right. And so it's really neat because these are all sort of geologic techniques to anal- that they're using to analyze chocolate. And it goes even further than that, right? Because as in here they say, and we were talking about earlier, chocolate has different crystallization phases, right? Yeah. So uh, cocoa butter has actually six different polymorphs, uh, creatively called one through six in Roman numerals. And <laughs> it turns out the higher the number of polymorph, the more desirable, they say, the, quote, thermal and mechanical properties are. So that would just be it doesn't melt as easily in your hand. It has a smoother texture. It's something that you more enjoy. So they try to shoot for these polymorphs five and six when they make cocoa butter for chocolate. And that's what they use in this study. But it turns out that actually affects how the fat goes through the whole system and ends up on the surface of your chocolate. Wow. So depending on your crystal structure depends on how your lipids are going to migrate then, which makes sense. You, you would see this in rocks too. Right. And then they actually would put drops of sunflower oil on the chocolate and monitor how the contact angle. So if you can envision a drop of anything sitting on a surface, there's an angle that the sides of the drop make with the surface. And they just monitored that angle through time and could see that angle decrease over you know, part of an hour. And that actually shows them that the surface energy is changing as these fatty acids or acids, oh. I would think, are migrating upwards. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. So they're using that to monitor it. And they used some awesome, I mean, there's some cool SEM images of, you know, the cocoa powder and the butter. And you wouldn't think you were looking at chocolate. <laughs> no, this looks very like I said, if you took the title away and handed this to somebody or took where it says sucrose and cocoa butter and all that out of it, uh, I think you could get away with passing this off as a geology paper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You absolutely could. They have microscope. I mean, they have a SEM images, which are, you know, really high resolution microscope. And then they've got some more microscope images of the surfaces. And yeah, you couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> but it's kind of neat because it's sort of using... You know, we talk about this basically porosity and permeability in rocks all the time. And then to apply it to a chocolate bar in the effect of making, you know, getting rid of the porosity and permeability because you don't want to form that, those little chocolate blooms on there. It's, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And to do the x-ray profiles, they actually went to a synchrotron and took yeah. these chocolate <laughs> samples. And they would scan a line down the chocolate sample, you know, through time to see the migration. But because you're scanning this with this monochromatic x-ray beam, you might be doing some damage to the sample. So they would slightly offset to the side each time, you know, something like 500 microns, they say. And Mm -hmm. so they did this after a few seconds, uh, five, 10, 30 minutes, one hour, two hour, five hours in one day. So this is kind of a really crazy thing to take chocolate (laughs) to this incredibly (laughs) advanced synchrotron source and do this really neat study that's hopefully going to help increase profit for the food companies and reduce the waste. Exactly. It's it's so funny to me because, yes, somebody, <laughs> you imagine a bunch of scientists sit around, you know, and they're actually working on, you know, some really hardcore material science stuff. And they're like, hey, let's put your snack in there and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the story about the microwave, right? That somebody was working with a microwave transmitter and noticed that the chocolate bar in their it pocket was- had melted had melted exactly see you never know where inspiration is going to come from no and that's i think i said this 
several shows ago, maybe, that if something seems funny, according to Bob Pease, record the amount of funny, because you never know <laughs> what that's actually going to mean in the end. Exactly. So this was in AP ACS, Applied Materials and Interfaces. Link will be in the show notes if you want to check it out and be able to geek out with your friends about what's happening to <laughs> chocolate at the next party. And... If you have any suggestions for Fun Paper Friday, send them to us. We find these through all kinds of sources, but we're always open to hearing what other people find because some of them are fantastic. Exactly. So if you do want to send it in to us, Shannon, how could they do that? Well, you can email us, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on the web, www.don'tpanicgeocast.com. Uh, John is on Twitter at geo underscore Lehman, and I am at Shannon Doolin. Right, so until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.